Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 13, the Detroit Tigers 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And if you're following me on Twitter, at Davey Barris, you know that I was at the game last night making a glorious return to Progressive Field with actual you know, fans around me to full capacity. It felt like 20,000, there at Progressive Field last night. The actual numbers are uh, 13,000, I believe, 13,128. And uh, I guess that's fair for a Monday night, right? I guess that's fair. Monday night's a pretty hard night to draw on. But the house was absolutely a rockin and uh it felt it felt like one of those 90s teams nights it felt like one of those 2016 2017 teams i mean there was no doubt in anybody's mind that the indians were going to destroy the tigers last night and that's exactly what they did right the whole the whole place was up for it they were going crazy for every at bat and it helps it helps when your first two batters of the game get on and really set the table for what's going to be a fun offensive night. I mean, the Indians offense, and that's our top storyline, the Indians offense absolutely unloads on that Tigers pitching to the tune of 19 hits. Uh, they're batting average balls in play. We're going to jump over to fan graphs a couple of times today, but their bat bip on the day was 500. They were just hitting everything. Everything. Uh, the Matt Manning was throwing strikes for the Tigers. Uh, you can't really blame him on that. He was putting a lot of fastballs in the strike zone. Uh, his slider was in the strike zone. Even his changeup was in the strike zone or around the edges of the strike zone. And the Indians were just locked in and swinging. They didn't take any walks yesterday. They were locked in and swinging for the fences all day long. And Cesar Hernandez is the one that got it started. Cesar Hernandez kicks things off with a single. Ahmed Rosario with a hustle double. I'm talking about pure speed here. I mean, he hits this one. He kind of just drops this one in the gap. It doesn't get past the outfielders, right? It's in the right center field gap. But he is on the crack of the bat off and makes it into second with a double. And that's what speed at the top of your lineup will do. I mean, if that's Fermil Reyes, although we've seen him hustle around. If that's uh, Austin Hedges or Rene Rivera, you know, someone like that, maybe that's not a double. Maybe they're held to a single there. Uh, in fact, Harold Ramirez held someone to a single later in the game that should have been a double off the wall. He took one off the wall and held him to a single. So you can see the difference that speed makes when Ahmed Rosario was on the base path. And it was especially evident because Jose Ramirez would ground out into the shift to bring in Cesar Hernandez to score. And then Eddie Rosario would hit a sack fly to center field. Ahmed Rosario moves up on that ground out. And Eddie Rosario hits a sack fly to deep center field. It's a It's a... Easy fly ball for the center fielder, but it's way deep enough to score Ahmed Rosario, who could have jogged home. I'm telling you, watching it in person, we were sitting out in right field, so I had a good look of that third-to-home sprint. And 
He is so fast. He is, I can only imagine what top speed looks like for him. He is so, his legs just move so fast. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. For someone who's always been a slow runner their entire life, it is mind-blowing me to me to see uh, how quickly Ahmed Rosario can get up to speed and get around the base path. So, that's huge. We talk about it all the time. Get a runner to third with less than two outs. There are so Many ways for them to score, and we got two of them right here in the first inning. A little fielder's choice to the right side, and then a sack fly to center field. Two easy runs come in to score for the Indians. Now, uh, the Tigers would put a run across in the the top of the second. A solo home run for Miguel Cabrera. We'll get to that. We'll get to Eli Morgan in a second. But the Indians' offense will continue to power their way to runs in the uh, in the second inning. And it's all thanks to an Austin Hedges home run, which I got the joy of watching this from the concession stands over there behind the third base dugout. So I had a nice close view of this one. And Austin Hedges hits a fastball that, frankly, he had no business hitting. This pitch is in, up, and off the plate. This was a ball, and he decided to turn on a fastball and cranks it out to the left field seats. It was a moonshot. The expected batting average on this was only 100, 130. 130 was the expected batting average on Austin Hedges' home run. 362 feet, 39-degree launch angle. That is a moonshot. And it goes out for a big three-run home run. Then in the fourth inning, uh, the Indians would strike again. After Bradley Zimmer strikes out, Ernie Clement would get hit by a pitch. Austin Hedges would fly out, so this is all done with two outs. Cesar Hernandez would double off the wall. Ahmed Rosario would single. And then Jose Ramirez would deliver a huge home run down the right field line. Again, I had a great view of this from our seats in right field. And uh, I couldn't tell if it was stayed fair or foul past the past the foul pole. I'm staring right at it, and the, and the angle I was on, I was like, absolutely could not tell. I immediately snapped my vision down to the first base umpire to watch him signal home run, and uh, 106 mile per hour exit velocity, 399 feet. That ball was smoked. I can tell you from where we were sitting, that thing was moving. And uh, that was fun to see. I even texted my brother before the game. I said, hey, man, we're sitting on a right field. Road J, we we might get one out here. You know, Jose Ramirez could put one out to us. And sure enough, he texted me back. He's like, you called it, man, Jose Ramirez. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a beautiful home run shot. And really added on, really blew this thing wide open. Um, at that point, that made it, what, six, seven, eight, nine to two for the Indians. And yeah, the blowout was on. In fact, they would score two in the fifth. So the Tigers did keep chipping away. Uh, but the Indians would answer right more, right back with two more in the fifth inning. And it just was one of those nights Everybody was smoking the ball. Bobby Bradley's double up the middle was hit so powerfully, the center fielder could not even handle it for the Tigers. Uh, Who was in center field for that? Badu. I mean, he literally could not even handle knocking down this ball. 
It goes to the wall, 110.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 750 expected batting average on that. Harold Ramirez follows it up with 109.1 single. Bobby Bradley comes in to score. Uh, we'd have a flyout. We'd have a single uh, from Ernie Clement. Again, we get a runner to third base, and Austin Hedges is able to hit a deep sack fly to bring him in to score. So two more runs for the Indians. Then back-to-back doubles from Jose Ramirez and Eddie Rosario in the sixth inning. Harold Ramirez would single in that inning. Did that bring Eddie Rosario around to score? Uh, no, they only score one more in that sixth inning. Uh, and then they tack another on in the seventh inning. This time, it's a leadoff single by Ernie Clement. Cesar Hernandez would single. And then finally, Jose Ramirez would single to drive in uh, his fifth RBI on the day. I mean, that is impressive. The entire box score is impressive. Three hits from your one, two, and three hitters. Three hits from Cesar Hernandez. Three hits from Ahmed Rosario. Three hits from Jose Ramirez. That is how you do it. Each one of them scores twice, and Jose Ramirez gets all the RBIs. Five RBIs for him. Eddie Rosario adds two RBIs from the four-hole, even on one hit. Remember, the sack fly brings in a run, too. Bobby Bradley with two big hits. Harold Ramirez with three for five with two runs scored and an RBI. And uh, Austin Hedges with the three big RBIs on his one big hit from the ninth spot. They hit six doubles on the day. Ahmed, Harold Ramirez, Cesar, Bradley, Jose, Eddie Rosario all have doubles on the day. And Hedges and Jose Ramirez with the two big home runs. So not only, not only was their average on the day and their bat bip ridiculous, but their slugging percentage on the day also ridiculous. So yeah, the Indians had themselves one heck of an offensive day. They slugged 775 on the day. Their OPS on the day, let's see if they've got it here on uh I'm over on Fangraphs cuz sometimes Fangraphs gives you a little bit more detail on some of these things. Yeah, their OPS on the day as a team was 1.252. That is a heck of an offensive day. Um, so all the numbers are glowing, and it's just they talked about doing it for Josh Naylor, right? But I think they were doing it a little bit for themselves too. I think the Tigers are the kind of team that you can just beat up on, that you can absolutely unload on. And like I said, it's not like... Uh, the pitcher, Manning, wasn't throwing strikes for the Tigers. I mean, on 75 pitches, he threw 50 strikes, so he was trying to be aggressive. The Indians just were not backing down from any pitches. 34 swings for the Indians, only three whiffs. Only three whiffs. Manning was able to add a few called strikes in there, so he does have a 23% CSW on the day. 13 were fouled off, 18 were hit in play against Manning. And uh, the average exit velocity against him was 92.8. So they were really, really hammering him, especially the fastball. He threw 47 fastballs to a team that just feasts on fastballs. 95.7 was the average exit velocity on his fastball. He also threw some changeups and some sliders mixed in there, but they did not help him at all. Uh, no whiffs on the slider, only one whiff on the changeup. So yeah, 
And then when you know when the rest of the team came in, uh, Miguel Del Pozo, he had we had ten swings against him, only two whiffs. Fifteen swings against Buck Farmer, only one whiff. Eighteen swings against Daniel Norris, five whiffs, so a few more off his fastball there. Uh, and then Tyler Alexander comes in, seven swings against him, no whiffs against Tyler Alexander. So the Indians, I mean. We're not messing around yesterday. They were just being incredibly aggressive and hitting everything, just smoking everything hard yesterday. Can I rave about this offense anymore? It just it felt like one of those teams. It just felt like one of those 90s Indians teams that just could hit the snot out of anything you put up there. Ahmed Rosario's speed was game-changing. Uh, Jose Ramirez's power was on full display. Ahmed Rosario also got safe on a uh, infield single, right? He didn't, didn't he hit one up the middle that he was able to beat out to first base. Uh, so yeah, uh, everybody raises their batting average a few percentage points today, and uh, it was good to see. It was really, re- I mean, my buddy who picked this game he came in town from Chicago. Shout out to Jeff from Chicago. He picked this game and. Sometimes you just get lucky when you pick a game, right? I'm sure you've experienced, whether it's an Indians game, Browns game, Cavs game, whether it's you, our UK fans, our German fans who go to football matches out there, sometimes you just pick the right game to go to and your offense just unloads. And uh, for as many one nothing home openers I've sat through in 2-1 games and real slogs of games. I deserve this one a little bit, I felt like. We all, everybody in attendance last night felt like they deserved this one a little bit. I'm telling you, the atmosphere was incredible. For, uh, you know, for a group of people that can't exactly, you know, high-five everybody around them yet, uh, the atmosphere was just fun and joy. It was hot. It was muggy. And it was just fun and joy down at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario. So uh, the other storyline, we got to talk about the pitching side of things. Uh, the storylines aren't always going to be the hitting and the pitching. But uh, on games like this, it sure was. Eli Morgan gets the start. Gets his first win of the season. Gets the first win of his career. And we talk about how the win isn't a huge stat. Um, but it does have its importance still in baseball. And I think it was important for Eli Morgan. Number one, just for a rookie to get that first win under his belt probably feels really good. But it also represents the fact that he gave the Indians five complete innings. I mean, he gives up uh, two runs in that fifth inning. So he gives up a big two-run home run, I believe, in that fifth inning. So there's a chance he could come out of this game, right? Yeah, he gives it up to Jake Rogers. Of all people, Jake Rogers, who just looks ridiculous with the turtleneck and the mustache. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite silly when you see that blown up on the giant progressive field scoreboard. So he gives up a single to Willie Castro, gives up the home run to Jake Rogers, gets Badu to fly out then gives up a single to Jonathan Scope. Now, he has uh, he has Miguel Cabrera sitting there on deck. Miguel Cabrera, who scored the first two runs of this game, first on a home run, then on a, uh, a double, 
that should have been caught. Eddie Rosario should have caught this ball. Uh, but I- I'm telling you, the outfielders for the Indians were gun shy. We're 100% a little bit gun shy about calling for balls, about taking charge in the outfield. You could tell when Zimmer and Rosario were coming towards each other, they they thought about Josh Naylor, and they both backed off the ball. Um, there were a couple times last night where the entire outfield sections there in right field were all screaming, call for it, somebody call for it, because nobody wants to see that again. So his double drops in, Candelario singles, and he scores. So he had already scored both runs. Uh, leading up to that home run. And there was absolutely no way that Terry Francona was going to let Eli Morgan face Miguel Cabrera again. So Robbie Grossman is up. Scope is just single to keep the inning alive. And uh, Sandlin is warming out in the bullpen. And, I mean, they went out there, and you can imagine the conversation on the mound, right? Carl Willis goes out there and basically tells him, look, kid, This is the last batter you're facing. You get this guy. You get this guy out, you're in line for the win. You've gone five full innings, right? Remember, if you don't know, in Major League Baseball, you have to go five full innings to qualify for the win as a starter. So, it's a big moment for Eli Morgan. And what does he do? He gets Robbie Grossman to strike out to end that fifth inning. Let's go to the actual at-bat here. And uh, and take a look at uh, how he got Grossman. Because it was a long at-bat. It goes six pitches. So he starts him out with a fastball away. And then attacks him hard inside with a slider that he fouls off. Goes to his go-to pitch to change-up, but can't find it. Throws two change-ups wide and away. Uh, the, th- the third pitch of the bat wasn't too bad. It was towards the edge of the plate, in the shadow of the plate. The fourth one was really out there. So now he's down 3-1, and you're thinking, oh, man, he's going to walk them. They're going to set things up for Miguel Cabrera, and he's, he's going to get taken out. He's not going to get it. He attacks him again with a high slider. And, you know, he was, a pretty, he was pretty aggressive with his slider yesterday. He did throw a bunch up in the zone. This was the highest he threw for a strike. He threw one that was way away, uh, that obviously got away from him, that was way high over their heads. This was the highest one he threw in the strike zone, but he was pounding the strike zone with that slider. And I'm guessing a lot of them were in to left-handed batters. In fact, I can do that. I can make the chart show me just the left-handed batters. And uh, no, no, a couple of them disappeared. So yeah, he was throwing this away to the righties a lot, not attacking. In fact, these two to Robbie Grossman were two of three he threw that were trying to attack. They were all to Robbie Grossman. Look at that. One must have been from an earlier at-bat. Yeah, this one is from the fourth inning. So, yeah, Robbie Grossman is the only one he attacked with high sliders, and it works for him. So uh, he fouls off the first one of that at-bat. The uh, the fifth pitch of that at-bat, he fouls off as well, so he can't handle that slider, and then he drops the changeup on him, This one doesn't get away. This one is down at the shins. It drops under the strike zone. It probably was hard to pick up, whether it was the slider or the changeup. And at a full count, Grossman is protecting and swings through this one for the strikeout. Huge moment. Crowd goes crazy. 
everybody knew it. Everybody knew what it meant. Eli Morgan got five innings, and he qualified, and he got his win. He got his team the win. He pitched good enough for his team to win last night, and that's exactly what it was. It was good enough. Um, the final line for Eli Morgan, five innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts, two home runs on 69 pitches. He was only hard hit five times. And I'm guessing those two home runs were two of those. So it's pretty good from Eli Morgan in the sense of he didn't walk anybody, right? Didn't give any free passes out. They had to earn it. Um, a couple of those were hard luck because, you know, Miguel Cabrera's double absolutely should have been caught. Um, and if you look at his Fangraphs page, Eli Morgan is a flyball pitcher. He just is. All four games he has started so far this year, he has given up more fly balls than anything else. And when you are a fly ball pitcher, you are going to give up home runs. That's just that's just what's going to happen. And uh, you have to be able to weather those storms, make them solo home runs, right? He gave up a two-run home run last night. That's, that's something he's going to have to avoid. And uh, you could live with solo home runs. And when they start to turn into crooked numbers, then it gets really difficult to hang in games. But 52.9% fly balls yesterday against Detroit. Um, digging in a little bit more to his pitching on uh, on fan graphs, he threw the fastball 46 times. That's exactly in line with what he does. For some reason, fan graphs has it as a cutter, while baseball savant has it as a slider. He threw that 18 times yesterday. Uh, in line with what he's been doing, he threw it a lot more in uh, against the Cubs in his last start and threw the changeup less, but went back to the changeup, actually threw the changeup the most he's ever thrown it in any start. He was up at 33.3%. Everything else had been in the low 20s. So he definitely went back to the changeup and mixed in a couple curveballs, not many. So that was his pitch type. His plate discipline numbers um, was not pounding the first pitch strikes like he had been earlier in the season. Uh, against the Cubs, he was at 78.9. Against Baltimore, 77.8. Even in his first start against Toronto, 58.8. In that crazy game, that should be a statistical outlier. Yesterday against Detroit, it was only 47.6. So he wasn't getting ahead of hitters like he had been. Um, and his swinging strikes were way down. He was up to 18.3% swinging strike against the Cubs. He's only down at 7.2%. Yesterday and jumping back over to baseball savant, let's go to the player breakdown page. Let's see what his CSW was on the day. So his CSW was 30%, which is respectable. He was not getting a lot of whiffs though. 33 swings against him, only six whiffs. Two on the fastball, two on the changeup, two on the slider. Uh, did get a, a fair amount of foul balls and did get a lot of called strikes. The called strikes really saved him. He was locating that fastball and that changeup. Eight called strikes on the fastball, six on the changeup. That's how he gets up to a 30% CSW. Uh, the changeup being the best pitch there at 35% CSW. And if we go over to the illustrator, we can see that, yeah, he was really... Let me get off the left-handed batters. Let me get back to both. He was pounding the strike zone with that slider and on the shadows too. He was pounding the strike zone with the changeup and the fastball. It's, it's a good combo where the slider is on the right edge of the plate, the changeup is towards the left side, and the fastball 
was throwing it up and down. He was really throwing the fastball to all four quadrants. He was using all four quadrants of the strike zone yesterday. So, and the shadow of the plate yesterday. So that's really, really good to see from Eli Morgan. I like it. I like it. I like his approach. He's going to give up some home runs. We're going to have to deal with that. But I really like his approach to attacking hitters. So it was good to see from Eli Morgan. It was a good game for him. Uh, the rest of the Indians pitching staff, uh, Sandlin had a nice job in relief. He has two strikeouts in the sixth inning. Like Parker strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Wickren does give up a solo home run, but that's it in the eighth. And then Brian Shaw did not throw a lot of strikes, but didn't give up any hits. Uh, Brian Shaw, actually, everybody for the Indians was pounding the strike zone yesterday. Uh, Morgan on 69 pitches through 48 strikes. Sandlin on 16 pitches through 11 strikes. Parker, 14 pitches, 10 strikes. Wickren, 17 pitches, 12 strikes. Shaw was 17 pitches, only eight strikes. Not good. Somehow he gets a strikeout in there and gives up a walk, but gets out of it in the ninth inning to end the game. So huge day for the Indians. The White Sox actually get rained out, so the Indians make up some ground in the Central Division. They are two games back. And hey, they get that run differential back into positive numbers. So that is always good to see. They're at plus five now on the season. So yeah, the Indians had themselves one heck of a game and we just got to keep it rolling against Detroit. We got three game series here that we can really, really do a lot of damage, keep the offense rolling and hopefully keep it rolling right into a very tough Houston series coming up. So we got Mejia on the mound tonight going against Urania. Urania is two and eight with a six ERA. We have I mean, against the Pittsburgh guys, we let guys with terrible ERAs and terrible records hold down our offense and beat us. We can't keep letting that happen. When these pitchers are having bad seasons, we have to add to that pain. We have to add to that loss column. So I really like what I'm seeing from Mejia lately, and I want to see him keep it rolling just like Eli Morgan did against the Tigers. So We'll see what Mejia's got in the tank tonight. And then on Wednesday, it's Quantrill also looking for his first win of the season against Peralta, who I'm guessing being 1-0, and 0-1, sorry, being 0-1 probably has not started many games yet this season. I don't remember facing Peralta, Willie Peralta earlier in the season. Uh, the 32-year-old veteran has pitched in three games so far this inning, this season, gone nine innings. Were they all starts? Let's see here. Uh, let's go to his game log. And he's gone two starts. So two starts, three games pitched. So he is just getting into the groove of things. And that will be your uh, Wednesday matchup. So there you go. They're all 7-10 starts this week. And uh, let's hope that the Indians offense and the crowd on Tuesday night can bring it like the crowd on Monday night did. That's my challenge to any of you going down to the ballpark tonight. Let's see if you can bring it like we did last night. Of course, thunderstorms could wash out this entire series. So who knows what's going to happen? They're calling for thunderstorms any chance all week here in Cleveland. The humidity is crazy. The heat is crazy. It's going to be up to 91 or something today. So another hot, sticky day in Cleveland. And hopefully, it means more runs and more big hits, more big extra base hits for the Cleveland Indians. All right. 
before I go MVP for the day, with I mean, with so much going on, I just got to go over to the RBI column. And Jose Ramirez led the way with five RBIs. I think I got to give him MVP for the day. I think he also slugged the most. If I go back to the box score on Fangraphs and look back at that team OPS, I believe Jose Ramirez was up at 2,000 at 2.000 OPS. So he led the way in OPS as well. So Jose Ramirez, you get MVP for the day. And when he's when he's firing on all cylinders, this offense is really, really fun. Uh, other Indians news, um, Oscar Mercado makes his return. He gets the call up for Josh Naylor. I told you that he wasn't striking out a ton. His walks to strikeout ratio was actually really good. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why he got the call up. Uh, Daniel Johnson was slugging a little more than him, but Mercado had the doubles and was not striking out as much you know, as some of these other guys. So I think that's why he got the call up. Plus, he can play all three outfield spots. He eventually goes in for Eddie Rosario at some point. Does pop out, fly out in his only at-bat, but battles, but does have a good at-bat. It looked from right field like he had a crazy um, batting new batting stance that I don't remember. It looked like he had his left leg really extended. So if he gets a start, if I get to watch this on TV, I'll take a look, compare it to 2019. 2020, we'll see if he's doing something different mechanically, if they tried a different stance down there in Columbus. Uh, Logan Allen also got called up, and uh, one of the young relievers got sent back down. Logan Allen, in theory, could start on Thursday if they don't end up using him out of the bullpen. I don't know why Logan Allen is back, to be honest with you. He struggled down in Columbus. There is nothing to say that Logan Allen has figured anything out about throwing strikes from the last time he was here, but I don't know. Maybe they think they can work with him, that Carl Willis can help him. They need somebody to start, and so until Brad Peacock or Zach Plesak can come up here and start, it might be Logan Allen getting thrown out there, you know, thrown to the wolves, thrown into the fire, and uh, that might be your starter on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep our eye on that one. But yeah, two new Indians on the roster or returning to the roster. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>